Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 17? This is a long chapter. Uh, we're going to hit the high points and it'll be a, about as much of a reading as anything else because we are all so familiar uh, with the story of David and Goliath. But there are some points along the way that we should always remember. Uh, this is not just a child's story. This is a powerful uh, theological treatise, a reflection on the sovereignty of God. So David and Goliath, let's look at this together. I'm going to make three points all the way through all these whatever, 58 verses, whatever they are. And number one is this, Yahweh guides David. Now we were just introduced to David last time. David uh, has his place now in the court of Samuel. He's a young man. He's not old enough to be in the army. So that puts him, that puts him in his middle teens, I suppose. But even then, of course, remember, he was out in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of sheep when God singled him out to be anointed as the king. So God now, now the story shifts away from Samuel and away from Saul, although Saul will be with us a little while longer. And increasingly, the focus is on David. It hasn't happened yet in the uh, scriptures. Uh, but we all know that David is destined to be the king of kings in the sense of God, in the sense that he is the choice of God to be the king of God's people. And also that he will be the, and God says so in the covenant that he will make with David, he, he is of course the progenitor of the Christ. So we, and we've already studied some of these truths about David and his life in our study in the Psalms on Sunday night. But here we see beginning in this uh, chapter and something, of course, a truth about David that goes all the way through is that David is always looked over and guided by Yahweh. So let's look here beginning uh, verse uh, one. The Philistines assembled their camps to war, assembled at uh, Socha, which belonged to Judah, and they encamped between Socha and Azekiah and Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel assembled, and they encamped in the valley of the Terebinth, and they set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines were standing on the mountain from here, and Israel was standing on the mountain from here, and the valley was between them. Saul, to this point, has had, has had, uh, has had it going his way in the wars that he has fought. Along the way, especially when Jonathan came against them, they fought and defeated only portions of the Philistine army, but the Philistine army was, was uh, no doubt the power to deal with in that part of the world in that day because 
They had iron weapons. They had weapons of iron. They didn't have weapons of brass. This gave them a tremendous advantage in battle. So we're given the story, we're given the setup, the scenery here. On one mountain here, uh, the army of Israel. On the other mountain over here, uh, the army of the Philistines, the valley in between them. So obviously when the, when the battle ensues, the expectation is that they would rush and meet each other in the valley to do battle. Uh, there we go. And the champion emerged from the Philistines camp named Goliath from Gath. His height was six cubits in a span. Now that's according to whose cubit was, be, was being used as the base of measurement, but that means that he was at least nine feet, six inches tall. Some say he was as tall as nine feet, nine inches. That's pretty tall. And a helmet of copper was on his head. He was wearing a coat of mail, uh, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of copper. Now that's about 125 pounds. And the, uh, and the greaves of copper were on his legs, and a copper javelin was between his shoulders. So he had all this other weight on him, his, his armor and, and so forth. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head was 600 shackles of iron. The shield bearer went before him. So the head of his spear was about 15 pounds. Uh, how would you like to be this guy's shield bearer? And he stood and called to the array of Israel, and he said to them, Why should I come out to wage war to you? Am I not the Philistine, and you the servants of Saul, choose for yourselves a man, and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, we shall be your slaves. And if I overcome him and kill him, then you shall be our slaves and our servants. And the Philistine said, I taunt the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man and let us fight together. And Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, and they were panic-stricken and very much afraid. Nobody wanted a part of Goliath. Well, I mean, you know, nine feet, six, nine feet, seven, something like that. The tremendous armor that he had on, just the weight of his armor, just the size of, of his spear. Remember, Saul, when he was chosen king, was seen to be head and shoulders above all the other Israelite men. So Saul could have been close to seven feet, well over six feet himself. So as, as, they, look at the, as they look at the Israelites, the king is the one who is bigger than the rest of them. I, you know, this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it, but Saul is looking around and he sees he's so much taller than everybody else. He, he probably kind of begins to do this. He fit in with the rest of them. Well, nobody wants to go down there, fight with uh, Goliath, a tremendous giant, tremendous warrior. We're even told in the text here that he grew up a warrior. This is all he's ever known. This is all he's ever done all of his life. David was the son of this Ephratite man from Bethlehem of Judah. 
His name was Jesse. He had eight sons. The man was old in Saul's time, coming among men. And Jesse's three eldest sons who had followed Saul went to war. And the names of his sons were, uh, who went to war were Eliab, the firstborn, and the second to him was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. Now David went to and fro from Saul to tend to his father's sheep in Bethlehem. It was David's job to keep Saul calm. Remember that from last time? So he would sing to him. He would maybe read poetry, but mostly he would play his, his instrument and he would sing to Saul. This would soothe Saul. So he went back and forth to take care of his sheep uh, and, then, and then back to, uh, to Saul to do what, uh, what he was appointed to do with King Saul. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening, twice a day, 40 days. That's a long time. Forty days, once in the morning, once in the evening. Jesse said to David, his son, take now, I'm very emphatic in the, in the text over here, this moment, right now, take uh, to your brothers an ephah of this parched corn and ten loaves of this bread and rush them to the camp to your brothers. And you shall bring these ten cheeses to the captain of the thousand, and you will see how your brothers are faring, and you shall take the tidings of their welfare. This was common back in that day. There was, there was no supply chain or, or anything like that. It's interesting, but it was just sort of a home event. The homes of the soldiers, the villages of the soldiers, the nearby villages, would be constantly sending supplies to the soldiers who were there on the battlefield. And so we go back and remember what, uh, what I just pointed out here in uh, verse 17. Jesse said, right now, just this moment, right now, now, take, take these to your brothers and to their captain. While you're there, look and see what's happening. And... Uh, Consider their welfare and consider what they're engaged in just at the time of Goliath. Well, let's continue the context here. And Saul and they and all the men of Israel in the valley of Terebinth were at war with the Philistines. And David arose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and he carried off and went and Jesse, as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the barricade and the army which was going out to battle array shouted in the battle and the Israelites and the Philistines put the battle in array, army against army. And David left the baggage in the hand of the keeper of the baggage. And he ran to the battle array and he came and greeted his brothers. And this is what he was supposed to do. His daddy said, go see how they're doing and go see how the battle's coming along. Right now, just now, do this now. So this is what he was supposed to do. And while he was speaking with them, behold, the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, was coming up from the ranks of the Philistines, and he spoke the same words as before, only this time David heard it. Now look at this verse here. Uh, it says, while he was speaking to his brothers, while he was close with the soldiers, he was that close to the battlefield, and it was all working in a perfect timing. 
so that while he was here, the nearest to the battlefield that he had been, just then, this great big guy comes down the hillside into the valley and begins to make his challenge again. So we know what he was doing. He was, he was, making, he was mocking the Lord and everybody, mocking Israel. He spoke the same words as before, but this time David heard it. And all the men of Israel, upon seeing the man, fled from before him and were exceedingly frightened. Yahweh has guided David to this moment. Remember, the purpose of Yahweh is in the personality of David. Young guy, not old enough to be in the army. All of this timing works out just then so that now David hears the insults from Goliath, the giant. Then he looks around and nobody around him has the faith, not even Saul. Nobody has faith enough to go down in the name of Yahweh and face this giant. So now, Yahweh has arranged everything. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up, who is coming up to taunt Israel? And it will be that the man who will kill him, the king will enrich him with great riches and he will give him his daughter and he will make his father's house free in Israel. Okay, so there's this promise, this reward from the king. Here's the deal. The deal is that you will always have the door open to you at the castle because he will let you marry his daughter. The second thing is You'll be, you'll be elevated to the richest guy, other than the king, I'm sure, the richest guy in Israel. And then not only that, but your father's house will be set free. In other words, you will never owe any taxes. Uh, you'll, you'll never have to serve in the military anymore. You nor your father's household. And David said to the men uh, who were standing before him, what should be done to the man who slays that Philistine and who takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the ranks of, of the living God? Now, this time, okay, here's David. You can imagine how his brothers felt. He's right there standing with his brothers. You can also imagine how the king felt because the king was the biggest, tallest guy. Obviously, the challenge was to Saul. But then he has his brothers who are responsible for their little brother. And now the little guy who just showed up with food turns around and taunts the Philistine. We talked uh, sometime earlier uh, in, in our study in Ephesians how the, uh, the, the, to call so, to, for a Jew to call someone uncircumcised was of course an insult. So, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Probably turned and yelled it loud enough for the giant here that he should taunt the ranks of the living God. So, the gods of Philistine, of the Philistines, they're dead. 
the gods of everybody else in the world, they're dead. There's only one living God, and it is the God of Israel. And the people said to him, so shall be done to the man who slays him. David has established his position that he has no regard for this giant nor his size and he is not intimidated by the threats of the uncircumcised Philistine because he is on the side of the living God. So now Yahweh has guided David to this point begins to with the circumstances around him flood him with encouragement. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's wrath was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down here with us? With whom have you left those few sheep in the desert? I know your impetuousness and the evil of your heart, for you've come down in order to see the war. You know, big brother to little brother. Well, big brother says to little brother, Would you shut up? Quit saying this stuff because Goliath now, instead of looking at the whole bunch and focusing on big old tall Saul, he's going to shift his gaze right over here to where you are. And here we are standing with you. David said, what have I done now? Is it not but a word? And he turned around from him toward another and spoke according to the same manner. The people answered according to the former manner. And the words which David had spoken were heard. And they related them before Saul and he took him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your bondsman will go and battle with the Philistine. Saul said to David, you're unable to go to this Philistine and battle with him. For you are a lad, and he is a warrior since his youth. Now, anyone who is ever filled in his heart with a duty to serve God is going to face critics, criticisms, critics. He's going to face negative comments, and he's going to hear every reason why what he's about to do is going to fail. And he's... He's, he's going to be uh, faced with intimidations. You don't know what you're doing. You're not able to do this. You see, the eyes of faith for these people had, had just gone away. They weren't focused on God at all. First of all, they were focused on the size of a man, Goliath. And now they are focused on what appeared to be the inability of a boy to go down there and represent the army of Israel facing the champion of the Philistines. You're unable to go to battle with him. You're not qualified. You don't have the resources. He is something and you are nothing. He is a warrior since, you're, since his youth. What are you? You're a shepherd. A shepherd against a warrior. David said to Saul, your bondsman, your servant, was a shepherd of the sheep for his father. And there came a lion and also a bear, carried off a lamb from the flock. And I went after him and smote him and saved it from his mouth. And he arose upon me and I took hold of his jaw and I smote him and slew him. Both the lion and the bear has your bondsman, uh, has your bondsman slain. I've killed both of them. And the uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has taunted the armies 
of the, you can also say the God of life, the living God. He has taunted us. We are here in the name of the living God. I've done things that maybe nobody else here has done. God has put me along the way in the path of a bear, in the path of a lion. This is just a man. I will go and fight him. And David said, Yahweh who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he'll save me from the hand of this Philistine. Think of the faith of David. David probably spent every day of his life, maybe just sort of playing games, but flipping that sling and rocks out of that sling. Building his skill, using bigger and bigger and bigger rocks. Some of them, have you ever picked up a rock? There's a, there's a, there's a part of Hapkido in Korean martial arts where you practice to fight with a rock. And the technique is to find, or there are rocks everywhere, the technique is to find a rock that will fit inside the palm of your hand. Pretty big rock. And every rock has a sharp point, and every rock has a, uh, has a blade on it, has a, has a sharp edge on it. You can cut with this rock. You can pummel with this rock. You can stab an eye or a throat with this rock. Uh, it's the it's the technique of fighting with a rock. Well, he was a, David by this time was a master. He had seen what a rock could do. Now in David's case, he would use a smooth stone. It wasn't for keeping in your hand and fighting. It was for the purpose of increasing the velocity of, of what he had. Anyway, and Saul said to David, well, just go on. Go ahead. And may Yahweh be with you. What a pal. <laughs> Tallest, biggest, strongest guy in the army. You go to the weakest, littlest guy that's up there. Oh, and by the way, may the Lord be with you. Saul dressed David with his garments. In, in other words, Goliath would think that he's killed the king somehow. I don't know. And he placed a copper helmet on his head and dressed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword over his garments and he did not want to go in those garments in, in that armor for he was not accustomed. And David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I'm not accustomed to this. And David took them off. David knew how to fight an enemy and he knew how he could move, and what weapons he could use. Now, having guided him and encouraged him, Yahweh enables David for the battle. Look at this. Remember now, David said that he always prayed to Yahweh before he went up against a lion or a bear. He took his staff in his hand, chose for himself five smooth pebbles, he knew exactly the characteristics of, uh, of these pebbles. You know, if you, if you go deer hunting or whatever and you have a rifle, you want to go out and set your scope, 100 yards, 100 for whatever. And at least with people I've been with, they have different kinds of ammunition because they want to know the characteristics of the bullet. 
How's it going to, how's it going to fly? Will it expand the way that it's, is it going to do what it's supposed to do? Well, David had already had this experience. He knew exactly what a smooth pebble would do to somebody like Goliath. Why? Because Yahweh had enabled him through the years. David did not realize that the kingdom would rest on his shoulders because of how he had prepared with his sling out in the middle of nowhere with animals through the years as a little boy all the way up to a teenager. He knew what he could do. So he took the five smooth pebbles from the brook and he placed them in the shepherd's bag which he had and in the sack and his slingshot was in his hand or his sling. And he approached the Philistine and the Philistine was continually, continuously drawing nearer to David. And the man who bore the shield was before him and the Philistine looked and saw David and he hated him. He despised him. For he was a youth and ruddy with an attractive appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the fowl of the air and to the cattle of the field. I'm going to rip you to shreds and your shredded flesh is going to be fodder. It's going to be feed for, for birds and for animals of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin. And I come to you with the name of Yahweh the, the, with the name of, of the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the God of the armies of Israel, which you've taunted. This day Yahweh shall deliver you into my hand, and I shall slay you and take off your head, and I shall give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines this day to the fowl of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and all the earth shall know that Israel has a God. I like that. Little five foot nine guy and a nine foot nine guy, and they're standing a few yards apart. He says to Goliath, you have this all wrong. You got this thing backwards. I'm going to feed you to the animals and to the birds. Because the world has to know today that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that not with sword and javelin does Yahweh save. For the battle is Yahweh's and he will deliver you into our hand so this is how God is enabling David. Filling him with a summary of the promises of the covenant. Knowing that Yahweh cannot let this stand. And that this is a thing that is opposed to the will and the word of God. He knew God that well. And it was when the Philistine arose and drew closer to David that David hastened and ran to the battle array toward the Philistine. <laughs> you want to walk to me, but I'm going to run to you. 
And David stretched out his hand into the bag and took a stone from it and slung it. And he hit the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead. Now, because it was smooth, it was also probably the shape of a disc. So this thing was going flat and straight and fast. And it hit him in the forehead and kept going into the frontal lobe of his brain. Now that's where, that's where you think, you know, that's, that's where everything is right there. And the stone sank into his forehead. He fell on his face to the ground. David overpowered the Philistine with a slingshot or with a sling and with the stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him. And no sword was in David's hand. And David ran and stood up to the Philistine and took his sword and drew it from its sheath and slew him. And with it severed his head. David went to work on him. I like that. And no sword was in David's hand. My mother used to whip me like this. I had to go and get my own hickory stick. That was humiliation enough. Go right over there to that bush and get the biggest one you see and bring it to me. I'd snap it off. No, there's one around on the side no bigger than that one. In one motion, all the leaves came off of it. And she whipped me in syllables. Don't you ever do that again. And I was thinking all the time, why don't you just, why don't you just go whack and then look at me and say, don't ever do that again. She don't, no. So this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. Big old sword. Don't you ever taunt Yahweh Ta ba ot ah again. And then the head came off. Now that's the way I see it. Because the language says he smote the Philistine and slew him. But he didn't have a sword. So he took Goliath's sword, which was a big one, cut off his head. And the Philistines saw that their hero had died. And they started running. What was that song by Johnny Horton? They ran through the village and they ran through the village and they ran through the village the rabbit couldn't go. Well, this is, this is what we're doing right here. The Philistines, it didn't matter where the thorns were, where the thistles were, where the bushes were, they were going the other way. David overpowered the Philistine. With a slingshot, with a sling. And the Philistines saw that their hero had died and they fled. Shepherd boy, in the will of God, the rest of his days as a king, he asks the Lord, Shall we do battle? Is the battle ours? And the Lord would say, Yes. The battle is yours. If it ever came back any other way, he wouldn't go into the battle. He'd been that way all of his life, even as a boy, as a shepherd, asking the Lord, is this the right thing to do? 
So they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until you come to the valley and unto the gates of Ekron. And the, and the slain of the Philistines fell on the road of Sha'araim and up to Gath and up to Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from pursuing the Philistines and plundered their camps, took all their stuff. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to, Jer <laughs> brought it to Jerusalem and his weapons and put it in his tent. <laughs> I guess I would too. I have a head of a giant in my tent. He could, he could stick his head out the pup tent and say to his brothers, hey guys, come here just a minute, I'll show you something. And there was Goliath's head. Put him in his tent. And when Saul saw David going out toward the Philistine, he said to Abner, the general of his army, whose son is this anyway? And Abner said, by your life, O king, I don't know. And the king said, find out whose father, find out whose son this is. As David returned from slaying the Philistine, Abner called him and brought him before Saul, and the Philistine's head was in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David said, the son of your servant, the son of your bondsman, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now we build on that next time. It's important to note who he is. Now remember, there's a lot of stuff said about whoever killed the, the giant. A lot of stuff said. So how's that going to go from here? Well, we'll leave off our story here at this time and we'll have our... Deacon prayer time.